Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, downloading the podcast. It was a wacky college football weekend, and the Big Ten was, it was no different. It was zany. Zany. All the way around, right? So, again, this would be my um, situa- or thought process is a lot of people are like, well, 2020. We have weekends like this every year sure. in college football. I mean, right. sometimes two or three weekends that, you, that have a feel like this. So, you know, obviously there's tons of games that never got played. But as far as just being the f- sport that we know and love... Sure looked a lot like it this weekend. Right. So we were watching the games yesterday together with another buddy and just looking at each other saying, this is why college football is so great. Yep. Like it, anything can happen in college football. Yeah. The most unexpected things. Yes. Happen in college football. Expect the unexpected. You know that. But until you are watching it or going through it, if you're one of the fans of the teams, you can't really grasp it until then. Uh, feels great when you're one of the teams that surprises feels horrible when you're one of the teams that is on the bad end of a surprise. We got a couple of those we'll actually be talking about today. I know one of those two feelings. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, so before we get into each game, we got the weekly Eisman. Yes, indeed. Uh, obviously, a lot of great performances over the weekend. Taulia Tungavailoa had a big game, 18-26 for Maryland, 282 and three scores. The big five-star freshman wide receiver, Rakim Jarrett, five catches, 144 Two big touchdowns. Michael Penix had a great game. Ty Freifogel for Indiana. Oh, my gosh. That guy is really starting to emerge as one of the dominant receivers in the conference. But we got a couple finalists here, okay? We're going to start with Justin Fields. 24-28 for 314 yards and five touchdowns. He had more touchdowns than incompletions. And on the season, he still has more touchdowns than incompletions. 13 to 11, I believe, is the number. Correct. Total touchdowns. He's got 11 touchdown passes, two on the ground. But okay. yes, 13 total, total touchdowns to, to 11 incompletions. All right, so we, we like to mention Justin Fields because he, in any given week, deserves this award. But, you know, we try to spread the love. And unfortunately, last week, Mo Ibrahim, right? Right. Ibrahim? Did Ibrahim. I say that? Ibrahim. Ibrahim. Yeah. I'm getting You're closer. Close. You're getting close. Mo Ibrahim scored four touchdowns last week, but it was in a loss. Right. So he didn't get any credit for that right. with the Eisman. So we're going to give it to Mo Ibrahim nice. this week. 30 carries, 224 yards, and four more touchdowns. He is a, he's an ATM, right? He's Automatic a touchdown, touchdown maker. Absolutely. Um, there were some Minnesota fans that kind of hit us up on Twitter and said, hey, I know it's an off year, but Mo is the best running back in the Big Ten. It's not even up for debate right yeah, now. Yeah, I think right now it's not debatable. And I want to say, okay, last year, maybe even the last two years, it, it he might not have cracked – the, the first team all Big Ten for running back simply because J.K. Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor sure. were. I mean, but those weren't normal years compared to most years. Like, you don't typically have two running backs that are that dominant. Two so running backs I, over 2,000 yards. That's, you know, we may, we may never see that right. again. And, and so, not last year withstanding, I would think Mo Ibrahim would be the best running back in the Big Ten or at least one of the top two running backs in the Big Ten. In most years. Yes. 
Uh, that's probably fair. I mean, typically there's a Wisconsin running back that's up there pretty much doing what Wisconsin running backs do. Maybe a, a Ohio State or Penn State guy that kind of, you know, takes off. But Mo is standing up with just about anybody right now. He's standing up, but only standing up at five foot eight and just <laughs> bowling people over. Right. Part of the reason why he's so good. Um, I don't know if I ever told you, I met Emmett Smith. Oh, you I, did? Yeah, my buddy had played in the NFL, got me into the uh, locker room for the Arizona Cardinals when, oh, cool. when he was playing for uh, the Cardinals. And I stood right next to him. I'm like, oh, he's not big, right? Wow. He's I was shocked. Yeah. yeah, I was shocked how, how small he was. Well, I have a buddy who met him, and my buddy's not real tall. He's probably 5'9", five, 5'8". Five, and he's like, he said the same thing. Like, you know, he's about the same height yeah. as me. Yeah. But obviously built a little different. Built a little bit yeah. better, yeah. You know who I met one time was that uh, it was the Oklahoma – safety William Roy Williams okay right remember that dude yep, absolutely and I was it, it same friend that that met Emmett he's a, a high school coach in Texas so I was you know with him I was in the locker room before the game you're just standing next to my buddy you know who's all the kids are like who's the weird old dude that's not a coach <laughs> and this guy comes in and starts talking to the team and then he walks out and he leaves and my buddy's like pretty cool huh I'm like what do you mean he goes that was Roy Williams <laughs> I'm like, are no you clue. kidding me? I was standing right next to him. Right. He was not that big of a guy. Um, oh, man, I'm going to have a brain fart. See if you can grab me. Um, Texas Tech linebacker. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, um, little white dude. Played for the Dolphins <clears throat> for years, right? Yeah. Zach? Yes, Zach. Oh, my God. How oh, are we not getting this? Anyways, I, I was – we were Thomas. Zach, Zach Thomas, Th- right? Is that it? I think so. Okay. Anyways, we were uh, Iowa um, – uh, played Texas Tech in the Alamo Bowl when mm-hmm. I was at Iowa. So we're on our bowl trip, and we're standing on one of the bridges in San Antonio over the Riverwalk, and me and a couple guys are talking to this guy, and I could tell my buddies are, like, kind of geeked out a little bit. And then he walks away, and they're like, do you know, do you know who that was? I'm like, no. And then they told me. And, you know, he's, again, little dude, but. Really? Yeah. yeah he Small in stature, but every guy we just named, pretty, pretty high in toughness. So. Yep. All right, so we're going to go through – all six games chronologically, except we will resave the Big Ten game of the week for last. First game up, Northwestern 21, Nebraska 13. The Wildcats with 317 yards of total offense to the Huskers 442. Uh, Wildcats were a three and a half point favorite. 54.5 was the over under. So Wildcats cover one of the easiest under bets that I believe I will have the entire <laughs> year. Um, this game pretty much played out like I thought. Um, I thought Nebraska would have one more score in them. Mm-hmm. Um, the yardage in this game would lend you itself to believe that that would have been the case. It, go, you look up and down these stats here. There is no place. It's So sometimes it's like, okay, yeah, total yardage. But turnovers, you know, right. that, that evens it out. Nope. Third down conversions. There really isn't any place on this stat sheet that screams, you know, in between, you know, under the surface why Northwestern won, but they won. And I mean, that that really, if you took away who the two teams were and you just put the stat sheet down, you would say Nebraska won. Correct. But if someone told you the other team was Northwestern, you'd probably, (laughs) oh no, Northwestern won this game. That is the truth. You bet your ass. And by the way, we have to point out that this the inaugural NU trophy is now awarded to Northwestern. So Northwestern will, from here on out, for the, until they play again next year, be called NU. And Nebraska will be called Nebraska, I guess. I guess so. Salt and the wounded Nebraska fans. Speaking of Nebraska fans, 
I'm, I'm talking to you now. Okay, I'm trying to. I don't want this to be a talking down to Nebraska fans or trying to be trying to kick you while you're down, Nebraska fans. But so do you, the, there's a movie that I, I I haven't watched in a while, but I love. It's called Red Dragon. Okay, mm-hmm. it's, it was the prequel to Silence of the Lambs. Okay, well, right? I've never seen Red Dragon. Okay, so in this movie, the um, the guy that winds up being the the serial killer okay. in the movie, okay? He's got somebody hostage. So it's the it's the guy though, uh, Anthony Hopkins is the same he's same he, he is Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal he Lecter. is he's in prison. So this is before the, the the before Hannibal becomes Hannibal. Oh, he's Hannibal. He's Hannibal. He's caught. He's in prison. Okay. 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 Um, but he hasn't been in prison as long as he had been in Silence of the Lambs. So okay. he hadn't yet met Jodie Foster at the time of this movie. Make sense? Sure. Okay. So there is another serial killer that's out there, all right? This uh-huh. serial killer has somebody hostage, okay? And he wakes him up and he's and he's strapped to a chair and he makes him watch this PowerPoint and his eyes are like pinned open and he's Oh, so it's like uh, Clockwork Orange style? A little bit like that. That's a good Does he have the eyedroppers too? I can't like remember clockwork? if he had the eyedroppers okay. or not. But he kept showing, you know, horrific things and he would he would ask him a question, blah blah blah. Do you see? Blah, blah, blah. Do you see? Like that. Okay. That's what I'm trying to get Nebraska fans to understand with Northwestern. Because they still thought just 24 hours ago, going into this game, it's like, ah, uh, cute Northwestern. Yeah. Look at cute little Northwestern and, and I small looked, Ryan I looked, Field. And... I looked down the replies to the Husk guys, 48-13 Nebraska, 38-17 Nebraska. And I'm like... And I'm not disagreeing with you, but I am also see a lot of Nebraska fans saying we got tricked again. We fell for it again. Yeah. We so all do. They, we all do. We, you the, and I have both fallen for it. Correct. We fell for it this year. Yep. But like, at least when we were making our stupid predictions of saying uh, Northwestern was going to finish last or second to last, we were angry at ourselves yes. as we made the predictions. I don't know if that I knew I was, save face I was just inviting you know, the fitzy gods to strike me down when I was doing it. I knew yeah. it. And I did it anyway. Um, uh, Northwestern now. Okay. Now another thing I want to say, I've had a couple DMS with a couple Northwestern fans. We, Kurt and I are trying to be as honest as we can. We are an Iowa fan and Illinois fan. We hate Northwestern. It's just, it's, I'm sorry. It's part of us. We're not going to be BSing you like so many people in the media do. We're just being honest, but there is obviously respect we're trying to get across, and the fact that we wouldn't hate Northwestern if, if they gave us right. no reason to hate them. Right. I mean, as if you're listening as a Northwestern fan, you should just be eating it up. The of fact course. That, that they just absolutely crush my spirit every Saturday in the fall. Well, an Iowa fan angry. Pretty easy to find Nebraska fans angry. <laughs> There's probably going to be Illinois fans sometime soon that are going to feel angry. It, 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 yeah. A uh, couple things. Northwestern has not allowed, not a touchdown, not a field goal, not a single yeah. point in three second halves. Why do you think that is? Adjustments. Which is what? Pat Fitzgerald's Coaching. forte. Coaching. I would... But I, the, I, for me, the theme of this podcast is coaching. You're gonna, you're gonna I hear me really pepper good. this entire broadcast with the word coaching because I think it really stuck out this week more than most weeks. I like where this is going because I think I, I've already got a couple games picked out in my we, head. Yeah. This, this is one of them right here. Do, do I think? Obviously, it's not time to like panic and pull the plug on the Scott Frost no. tenure at Nebraska, but he got out coached. 
on he, Saturday. He absolutely got out coached. It's a thing. And, and it's there's no shame in being out coached by Pat Fitzgerald, by the way, but he did get out coached. That's yeah. what the difference of this game was. Correct. And by the way, I tweeted yesterday during like right around halftime of this game. NU has NU right where they want them. Right. So it's kind of a joke. But my thought process was Northwestern's going to win this game. Yep. They're losing, and they, they have Nebraska right where they want them. But I thought it was a it, it was a joke on two layers. It was a two-layer joke. It was fantastic. Yeah. My, my, at some point, I think it was after the game was over, I said, 2020 is the most Northwestern Northwestern has ever Northwesterned. Absolutely. They're doing it. Like, so, and you look, at, you look at the stat line, okay? Yep. Peyton Ramsey, 16 of 27, 169 yards, yeah. two touchdowns, two picks. And one of those picks was awful. It was a yeah. almost a pick six that set up a Nebraska touchdown. But yet... By the way, Miles Farmer, two interceptions for Nebraska. Yeah, Miles Farmer played well. Um, uh, Drake Anderson, a good day. And what, so you I, know, 89. You know, but my whole point with Peyton Ramsey is like, this is, he didn't play well, but no. he played well enough, enough when he needed to play well enough to get the win. And speaking of coaching, let's go back to that for a second because, you know, in, the pre, in, in our preview episode for Northwestern, I said, look, you guys have a good defense. You're going to have a good defense again. But the one thing that you need to start doing more is getting turnovers, getting sacks, getting tackles for loss. And they're doing that this year. This is, I mean, this is a better defense, I think, than last year. I agree. And again, these gosh darn linebackers. Uh, so we got uh, Blake Gallagher, 14 tackles, <laughs> two tackles for loss. Patty Fisher, 13 tackles. Uh, Chris Bergen, 11 tackles. I mean, how one many, and a half tackles for how loss. How many games like this is a stat i'd love to look up by the time they're done how many multi-tackle games did all three of them have together i'm talking the same game by the time they're you mean like double digit tackles i know it's and this happens and then if you look further down the stat sheet yeah then it's like the safeties they're the next biggest it's like they have such a good scheme for funneling everything to the middle keeping the linebackers clean and letting them make plays and it's i mean I hate to say it, but it's it's kind of fun to watch. It's impressive. It is. I mean, it's it's more fun to watch Northwestern the weekend after you play them. Yeah. Because then you see other teams getting frustrated and doing the things that your team did the week before, and they're doing it again. Yep. Flipping to the other side, uh, part of the frustration was from Nebraska fans with their offense. So I don't blame um, them. It's 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 off, I think is fair enough to say. Um Adrian Martinez at one point did get pulled for Luke McCaffrey. I don't think it was a injury or hey we we're just no. trying him out for a series. It was this offense ain't working. Let's get, let's try something but else. But it, it didn't look any better once McCaffrey got in there. I think Yeah, I don't know if I'd completely agree with that. Okay. I, I felt like what they did was simple down the offense and so one two read Take off one, two, read, take off. Yeah. I think they can do that throughout the year. Do you think Nebraska has somewhat of a quarterback controversy right now? Well, yeah, they do. But I think my advice to them is choose someone, choose them now, and just stick with them. If that's the case, then I would give it to Luke McCaffrey hmm. and see what he does. Um, I mean, their stat, I mean, uh, Adrian Martinez, 12 of 27, 125 yards, touchdown, yeah. and, and or no touchdowns, and one pick. He did have 102 yards rushing. I mean, that's yeah, but there then, was a lot of times where Adrian Martinez looked like Adrian Martinez, but one of the plays that sticks out in my head is I believe it was in the second quarter, almost positive, and uh, Nebraska was down in the red zone. Um, first and goal, they got stuffed. Can't remember what they did on second and, and goal. I think they got a couple yards. Third down. They 
I believe it was a perfectly set up play. They had Travis Volkolek singled up in the corner of the end zone. It was there. Volkolek has got six, eight, whatever inches is is on the corner. And Martinez just sailed the ball out of bounds. Like that's the, he's done it a lot. I mean, we're 20 some games into his starting career. Yeah. I think it's, it's clear at this point. We know who Adrian Martinez is and he's not that consistent. He's not that consistent. He's always talented. Yes. He's just not that consistent. And I, to be honest, I don't think it's a good thing that Adrian Martinez is leading your team in rushing. Like, no. where's Diedrich Mills? You're not dedicated. I mean, at least like sometimes I felt that there just wasn't enough carries for Diedrich Mills. Yeah. Um, he got 19 carries in this game. I, yep. I mean, but the problem was 3.1 yards. Right. I mean, and when they were running with their running backs, guess what was happening? The Northwestern linebackers was were tackling. Correct. Them. Yeah. I, you're right. So that wasn't working out. But then also they're not getting the ball out to Wandale Robinson. They're not getting the ball to Xavier Betts. Marcus Fleming did have a, a good game, five catches, 75 yards for the freshman there. So uh, maybe a little bit something to look forward to. I want to go back to Northwestern a little bit here and point out a couple names. Drake Anderson, I haven't been giving this guy enough credit. I think this guy's a pretty good running back. And Northwestern fans, you're welcome from an Illini fan because they were not going to give Drake Anderson a scholarship. They wanted to come as a walk-on. Illinois offered him a scholarship, and then immediately thereafter, Northwestern said, okay, we'll give you a scholarship. Wow. And he ended up at Northwestern. And he had a bigger role this week uh, without yeah. – um, You know, Bowser's not Bowser. – he's, he's one of those guys that's always dinged up. So I th- – I really feel like Drake Anderson is your running back right now. But one more, John Rain, the tight end. This guy has been a godsend to this offense. He's an integral part of the offense, four receptions, only 33 yards, but had a touchdown. This guy's an offseason transfer that came in. Again, reminding everyone that last year the tight end room for Northwestern collectively had seven catches for 30 yards. And this guy does that basically on a weekly basis. Insane. With the loss, Nebraska drops to 0-2. Northwestern moves to 3-0 and for the first time since the year 2000. When they shared part of the Big Ten. And I'd like to say, I believe they should be ranked when the AP polls start rolling. Remember, uh, so we were talking about Conan. Remember, in the year 2000. Uh, that was back when Conan was funny and late night was funny and good times. All right, moving on. This probably, on many weekends, would have been the most surprising score of the weekend. Yes. But I'm not even sure if it's in, I think, third place, I would say. <laughs> probably somewhere on there, yeah. Iowa, 49. Michigan State, 7. The Hawks with 405 yards of total offense to Sparty's 286. This line was Hawks by 6.5, over under 46.5. So this went way over on Iowa alone. Um, and then uh, the Hawks went way, way over for covering, obviously. Um, so, so you this know. was a shocker for me. I mean, I picked Michigan State to win this game because I, I'd been watching Iowa this year, and basically all I saw up to this point was Iowa light. They weren't quite as good at the quarterback yep. position, weren't quite as good on the offensive line, weren't quite as good on the defensive line, didn't ha- quite have that big playmaker in the secondary. It just seemed like a regression for most of the team. Well, I think I might be wrong about that. I didn't uh, correct you on the Iowa light thing. Um, knew where you were coming from. I would say this. There there were some warning signs coming into this game in that that was a very emotional win for Michigan State. That's a good point. Then you got to go on the road. It was a back against the wall. This is a Kirk Ferentz mantra where right when you think you're ready to strangle them, they come out and and blow the doors off. This is a thing. I mean, he's been doing it for, for 20 right. years. So it's, I'm wondering, like, did Iowa just find themselves yesterday? Did they, well, did you they know, mesh as a team? 
uh, winning is the ultimate deodorant, you sure. know, um, let me, let me just break this down. Okay. I, I the, the, the Iowa defense is good again. It's good again. Yeah, they are. Um, 286 yards for, for Michigan state. Um, the stat we had last year was how many times the, uh, p- opposing team had their lowest point total of the year yeah. when playing That's Iowa. Right. We're, I mean, we've already got two already uh so we'll see where that goes uh um for the rest of the year so they got two of those huh yep so michigan state and who was the other one uh purdue purdue i mean so, only, okay yeah. so only two games for purdue right so, but um uh what was i gonna say okay so th- the defense looks good i the defensive line took a step up yeah right? zach von valkenberg Great name, by the way. Great villain name. Um, he, he took a big stub. Nixon is doing his thing. The linebackers sure. look better. You, you talked about the D-backs just not making plays. Well, three interceptions. The D-backs made yeah, plays. they did. Like, it, it looks like an Iowa defense. So they had a special teams touchdown. They had a defensive touchdown Correct. in this game. By the way, 13 straight years, Iowa has had a uh, interception return for a touchdown. That's pretty impressive. And I'm almost positive in the last three years – it might be even be three years in a ch- in change. Uh-huh. Uh, most interceptions in all of Division One football. I'm almost positive that's Ooh. the case. It's either two and a half years or three and a half years. Okay, so the defense looks good. The sec the special teams are off the charts right yeah. now. Keith Duncan, very uncharacteristic, missed the field goal, but we're not worried about Keith Duncan. No. Kickoff return for Charlie Jones. I want to call him Chuck. Because he's wearing number sixteen in a in an Iowa uniform. Oh, sure. Got to call him Chuck. I think Chuck Jones isn't that like a wasn't he one of the illustrators for for the Looney Tunes? <laughs> I think he was. Okay. <laughs> um, so I was, but I I'm trying to get the hashtag Tory Taylor tattoo going. Iowa's punter Tory Taylor from Australia. Yep, is a freaking magician man he is doing don't you step on my blake he's doing blake hastings right now okay okay you've i you watch big 10 for 60 this week watch the game it is punting porn (laughs) a plus punting porn right now and so again i want to go back to my theme my theme of this podcast is coaching yeah Uh, this is not a knock on mel tucker because we just don't know much about him yet but you're going against the dean of coaching in the big 10 and you got schooled Yes, there was some schooling going on. And part of it is, I, I'm happy to report, the Iowa offense did something different. They did things that they don't typically do. Like, they did. They didn't have as much fullback out there. When they did have the fullback out there, it was really just to use as a diversion to suck linebackers over, and Tyler Goodson would go the opposite way. Two different running backs. They had Sargent and Goodson out there. At the same time, they just ran a lot of three wide receiver sets. Oh, my gosh, it was multiple. Running Charlie Jones on the jet sweeps. All of the things that, you know, again, some of the themes we have with this is sometimes fans are right. Sometimes, sometimes they are. And, That's and this time the right. fans were correct. The things that we've been screaming for were done, and it worked. I mean, I think... Sorry. I think Brian Ferentz took a long look at himself after the first couple of weeks and said, I am doing it wrong. I think Brian Ferentz loves to look at himself in the mirror long periods of time. <laughs> so that's not hard for you, me to... You, you, you're a good offensive coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> you handsome devil, you. So all that, so that was all good stuff with Iowa, but there's still a bit of a quarterback problem. Spencer Petras, it's the weird thing. Well, when, you know what the throws? He makes the best are the throws that you... There's some quarterbacks that don't even attempt them because sure. they can't make the hash-to-hash throw. Yeah. He laser beams those things. The problem is he laser beams the screens and the five-yard yeah. outs, too. Right. Like, I, at, 
at some point, you have got to learn to take the guns off. Yeah, I agree. But he did not make mistakes yesterday. He didn't put up a, a ton true. of I mean, 167 yards and one touchdown, but no interceptions, no turnovers for the Hawkeyes overall. So to be honest with you, if you're playing that well, you don't need the quarterback to pass for 250 yards and three touchdowns. True. Um, and maybe the reason that he didn't make many uh, mistakes is because Michigan State had used up all of the mistakes in the game. We had talked last week about how I thought maybe Iowa would throw a lot more zone and confuse Rocky Lombardi. I think we saw that uh, 17 of 37 on the day with three interceptions. I mean, it took him 37 pass attempts to get to 227 yards. Not helping Rocky Lombardi out was the rushing attack. 32 carries for 59 yards for Michigan State, a 1.8-yard mm. average. We talked about uh, last week how Sparty is having issues running the ball. Now sure. they are having major issues running the ball. Well, and they were putting up 300 yards pass in a game, which they didn't do this game. So huge step back for Rocky Lombardi. Uh, didn't see a lot from that wide receiver group that I really like. Jalen Naylor did have a good game, four receptions, 119 yards. Uh, I just think this team came out and was not ready to play football Accu That's accurate. I mean, I, I will go so far as to say – I think I can comfortably say Iowa is not 42 points better than Michigan I don't State think so, no. on most days. When Michigan State plays that poorly, they would be. Um, it is going to be interesting to see what they do with Rocky Lombardi the rest of the year because here's the thing that Rocky Lombardi does the best, the deep ball. Like, he is more of a gunslinger yeah. down the field. So they've got the receivers to pull that out do. with White and Naylor. I think they're going to have to do a little bit of adjustment of what type of offense they use, they run as far as just like don't make him pick apart the middle of the defense. Like it's not good for him. Mm -hmm. The other side of it is that he did not do in this game that I was afraid he would do was when he got in a little bit of you know trouble getting out of the pocket is run for it. He, he did not run the ball yeah. that much. I don't know if that's because he's injured or what's going on, but he chose to throw when he could have run and got just four or five yards. I'm telling you, that was, that was, that was the big issue of the game to me. Interesting. Yeah. And just the running game overall, really disappointing from Michigan State yep. there. Because um, we thought this would be a pretty good offensive line coming into the year. Yeah, it, no. it, it didn't look like it yesterday. Nope. So with the loss, Sparty falls to 1-2. and two. Iowa, with the win, moves to 1-2. and two. So that gets us to the afternoon games. Like I said, um, I thought Iowa would have had the most surprising score of the day. They did not. Why? Because Maryland, 35. Penn State, 19. The Terps with 405 yards of total offense. The Nittany Lions with 434. They did it, it again. It did not seem like that. Though, it did not. When it I was seemed watching. like Maryland had yep. a lot more yards. So the Nittany Lions were favored by 25 points. This is, I mean, that's a 40 point, 41 point swing in it's, the spread. I mean, it's rare to see a, like the Iowa Michigan State game was shocking for the way it played out. But it's not shocking that I would beat Michigan State. There, this is rare to watch a game and be this shocked at an outcome of a game. You keep watching the game because every time Maryland does something, it just shocks you more. You're like, I cannot believe this. I cannot believe okay, this. Okay, so I'm not... By the way, I almost nailed this score. Did you? Just on the other direction. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, how about this? Uh, Maryland is the first team since the 1978 FBS-FCS split to record outright wins consecutively as 17-point or more underdogs. No kidding. 
How about that? So does that mean that we have to start talking about Maryland as a well-coached I'm not team? Right. I, I'm not ready for that 2020 has been bizarre enough. I can't, can't <laughs> so, do it. you know, obviously James Franklin's a good coach. I was really wrong about where the mindset of this team was at. I thought he would get them right and, and you know, have them playing good football again. This is a team – they gave up. They, they were not interested in playing this game. And, boy, that offensive line looked atrocious for Penn State. And it's I'm, I'm, it's not I, I got to give Maryland credit. Their yes. defensive line looked they did. great. They looked yesterday. athletic. Yes, they were. They were. And this this is a Maryland defense that hasn't just looked bad the first two weeks. They, they've looked historically bad. Right. The first. Two I weeks. don't know where that came from. It's insane. And and uh, Chance Campbell. I has mean, Northwestern been... did whatever they wanted on this defense. Yes, they did two weeks ago. And Minnesota did whatever they wanted. I mean, but Minnesota's got a really good offense. Sure, good Northwestern point. Northwestern is, I, you know, that's right. not an explosive. They had 542 yards offense against Maryland, I believe, something like that. Like, So if you're watching this game, though, I mean, okay, Locks is not a better coach than Franklin, but he was yesterday. I mean, overall program feel, I'll take James Franklin any sure. day. But he was beside himself in the sideline, He too. was. He was. We had a couple I mean, coaches that again, were like that. Oh, well, maybe we should talk more about Maryland. That defense. I mean, they were they were just winning battles in the in, tre- in the trenches. Yeah. Their defensive line looked and, like because one and one of the most shocking one for us. I, I'm pretty sure I'm speaking for you intelligently here. Maryland's offensive line looked good they versus did. Penn State's defense. I know that, it. That might be the most shocking thing that happens this entire football season. How does that me. happen? I have no Where idea. you just one week they both decide to wake up I don't and, get it. and play like completely different units than we've seen in the past. I don't get it. I don't it's either. Hot. I don't know I don't how know. that happened. I, I, I'm if, s- if you came to this pod looking for explanations, you're not going to find it. No, I, I have no clue. I mean, so Maryland, they looked organized. They looked crisp. They looked athletic. They looked like they had a game plan. They were executing. They did everything right in this game. Their poop was in a group. Their poop was in a group. Uh, Taulia, Tonga Vailoa, 18 to 26 for 282 yards. I mean, he looks fantastic out there. He looks like a Tonga Vailoa. Yeah. Um, Jake Funk, another great game. Another Loves good game. seeing that. Rakim Jarrett, the, the big freshman, five catches, two touchdowns. He was just running all over that, that defensive backfield. I agree. Switching to the other side. Um, okay, Penn State's in a free fall. They're in a psychological Absolutely. free fall Their right now. And, and as a Penn State fan, you can take this, I don't think comfort's the right word, just it's it's just a crazy year. It's it's off. It's all off right now. And, you know, you're just kind of following your team for the rest of the year because yeah. ev- everything that you wanted to see, none of that's going to come true now. Nope. Um, the one thing I'd say is, like, I'm still – I'm. I don't think Sean Clifford is a national championship quarterback, He's but not. like I also want to say, I mean the 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 uh, thirty six carries for ninety four yards, a two point six yard average out of the Penn State running backs. So then, what's he got to do? He chucked the ball fifty seven times. Yeah, that's not that, a. Recipe. That's not what they. It's not a recipe for winning a football. So that, I mean, them. all I'm saying is like, if I'm Sean Clifford's, you know, mom and dad, I'm standing up for him and saying. What's he supposed to right. do here? Somebody give him some help. That's what I'm saying. I mean, come on. You ran for two and a two point six yards per carry on the Maryland defense, and, and I know they've had they've had injuries at running back, but well, but it's not. This wasn't about the running back. This was about an offensive line that just looked completely uninterested in playing that football. Crazy football game. Crazy. I, it was, they were pathetic. I, I don't I have no other word. This was supposed to be a good offensive line. Speaking of pathetic, me and you. 
predicting zero wins for Maryland on yes. the entire year collectively. Me and you, yes. we've already got two. Insane and, and and good for you, Terps fans. Yes, because some, some of them some of them came after us. A yeah, bit. and and you know the funny thing I'd like to point out is if all fourteen fan bases come at us when they don't like where we predict them. Some of them are going to be correct at some yes. point. And <laughs> some of them are going to be really wrong. Certainty, yeah. certainty. All right. With the win, Maryland moves to a very surprising 2-1, and one, but even more surprising with the loss, the Nittany Lions fall to 0-3. Next game up, Minnesota 41, Illinois 14. The Gophers with a robust 541 yards of total offense to the Illini's 287. The Gophers were favored by seven here. So obviously an easy cover for the Gophers. The over-under was 62, so we went a little bit under. Um, seemed like the uh, plan was a Mo Ibrahim show, and the show played on. Yeah, the show certainly played on. What is my theme of this podcast? Coaching. Coaching is my theme of this podcast. There was one well-coached team out there on Saturday, and one poorly coached team. Uh, Minnesota, first of all, great job, excellent game plan. Um, they wanted to run the ball. Illinois has actually been doing a good job stopping the run this year. They ran everywhere and anywhere that they wanted to run, and they balanced it out with a good passing game too. Um, controlled the clock. That's what PJ likes to do. Limited mistakes. They did have a couple turnovers, but it didn't matter because it was so far out of control. This, this was a well-coached team. Good scheme. They executed it, and they kicked some ass. And you got to give them credit. Um, you know, in the Maryland game, I know it was a loss, but Minnesota was down early in that game and looking like ass. Mm -hmm. And they came all the way back to take the lead. I know they ultimately lost, but they yep. showed fire to come back in that game. Then they're 0-2. I mean, tough spot for Minnesota. This is a team that had aspirations to get into the Big Ten West. I'm not saying that's impossible, but, you know, it was looking far-fetched point I'm trying to make is we've already covered one of the teams that fit into that category and fell apart. They came back and played hard in this game to get the win. You you, you got to deserve credit for that. And that's, that's coaching. That's coaching. And you know, you can kind of make a parallel in a way to last year. If Minnesota had played their first two games against big 10 teams, they probably would have lost their first two games. They did not look good in the first really three games. They almost lost all three of those to not good opponents but pj never let them you know get down he, he, he they improved every week and i think that's what we're seeing right here uh shout out to nick stelzer he said you know we thought the world was falling apart uh, uh since we lost to maryland turns out i, I guess we should have been pointing to the michigan game Ooh, <laughs> deep yes, dig right sir. there um uh agent zero rashad bateman 10 catches almost 140 yards and a touchdown that's what bateman does tanner morgan still not quite looking well, like tanner morgan and and i i'm gonna pat myself on the back here uh you got rashad bateman who's maybe the best receiver in the conference but there's a huge drop off after him yes and it's you can tell that not having tyler johnson on the other other side of the field it makes a big difference in this offense. It's I mean, just I still not, like I still like Altman Bell, but he had one catch yesterday yeah. against that terrible Illinois secondary. 
Um, I kind of wonder with Illinois if, I mean, we still got tons of guys out. If the attrition, just lack of, I mean, dude, that makes a difference for how many bodies can practice and practice. I just wonder Uh, if that's caught up with them a little bit. I don't, you know, fifth year, I don't give a damn that the four string quarterback is in there. No excuses at this point. I really just don't care. Don't want to hear any of them. You, you only got 287 total yards against what looked like an historically bad Minnesota defense going into this game. They were 130th in in uh, yards per play given up, and they only they only allowed 287 yards to this pathetic Illini attack. But and what happened was obviously Joe Rossi, defensive coordinator, wasn't able to call the plays. So it just seems obvious, right? Every two years, PJ just has to make a change of defensive coordinator. Yeah. That's a good point. So they ran, they ran for 325 yards on this, yards on this defense that was doing well against the run. They're a little dinged up right now in the defensive line, but again, don't care. 12 penalties for 120 yards. That's bad coaching right there. Um, you know, just not being able to manage the clock whatsoever. 30, 38 minutes to 22 minutes in, in terms of possession time. That I just have very little to say positive about about Illinois, uh, they punted on their first four possessions. Do you remember what Minnesota was doing prior to this game? They had forced two punts in 25 possessions prior to this game. Illinois punted on their first four possessions. That's not good. And you know, I kinda, we're down to our first string quarterback. Like that, but that's it's a, more that's than a thing. that. That's a thing, bro. I know that's a thing. But then, okay, so we we have this offensive line with you know ooh, just tons of experience coming back, and I. I kind of warned Illini fans. They, they kept saying, we're going to have a great offensive line. I was like, no, we may have a good offensive line. But they they have not been playing. They were a bad offensive line last year. So did I have hope for them being good? Yeah. Did But did I did I expect them to be really good? No, I want, they had to prove it. And they look terrible. It's it's There's no excuses for the way that they're playing on the offensive line. This is a team that's 12th out of 130 teams in returning experience. And the, the places where they lost experience, they've got guys that fill in it that are actually playing pretty well, like Roderick Perry on the defensive line, taking over for Jamal Milan last year. He's playing great. But they're just not they're just not putting good series together. And you know, I also felt like this team had a lot of confidence. Not that fake confidence, oh yeah, we're gonna have a great season. Like there was like this quiet confidence they had. I'm like, you know what? Maybe they know something that we don't. No, they they did not know anything. Um, very disappointing performance. Uh, I just don't see. I, it, it's hard to find a win for the Illini on the. Uh, if you look down the rest of their schedule, they yeah. travel the Rutgers, yep. and I'm. I do not feel good about that game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with the loss, the Illini fall to O and three. With the win, Minnesota. Minnesota, excuse me, moves to one and two. Our one evening game: Ohio State forty-nine, Rutgers twenty-seven. The Buckeyes with 517 yards of total offense to the Scarlet Knights, 370. Buckeyes were favored by 37 and a half, so did not cover that spread. Uh, Over-under was 65. Dang it, it went over. Um, at one point, my prediction for this game was 42 to 9. At one point in the fourth quarter, it was 42 to 9. I, I had so the mine score was... pegged. But here's what I wasn't accounting for. No, I thought for. You, were, you were 49 to 9. Was Because I... I was 49 to 10. Okay. Yeah, you were 49. Okay, all right. And maybe, okay, maybe it was, anyways. Um, so it pretty much was the game that I th- thought it was going yeah, to be. right. I mean, it was exactly how it went. But here's the part mm-hmm. that I did not attest for. 
Greg Schiano will not stop fighting. No. And his team, because of that, will not stop fighting. I mean, at some point, it was a middle schooler calling plays on Madden in this game. Onside kicks, eh, screw it, let's right. go for it. Trick plays. Oh, like, man, that was great. And, and there's a part of me that thought, Greg, baby, save that for... Yes, the, I kind of had that thought, too. But he I, doesn't care. He doesn't care who's playing. To, it's all psychological. Yes. And he is trying to tell his team, we are never going to stop. I don't care if it's Ohio State or Maryland or the Patriots. We are going to fight till yes. the very end of the game. And I think that's the message that, that, I, that they got in this okay. game. What is my theme of this podcast? Coaching <laughs> is my theme of this podcast. I saw two very well-coached teams out there. <laughs> yeah. Now, this game, if, you're, if you recall the way that I described this game, the way it was going to go is that the Rutgers was going to hang in there. They were going to look competent in offense. Their defense was going to look pretty good. They were going to slow down that attack of Ohio State, and then the second quarter was going to start, right? That's how it played out. But then once you got to the second half, they just kept kept going after them, kept going after them. They never went away. I saw – I took a lot of positives away from from this game for Rutgers. Yep, me too. I mean, there's nothing – you know, Pacheco ran his ass off. Um, Noah Vedrill did everything he could. There's nothing really to point out on the stat line here um, that, you know, for, for somebody that had a great day, right? But yeah. it's just the overall fight and piss and vinegar that you get out of Rutgers, and it's it's very impressive. But I'm going to point out Bo Melton again. I've always thought this guy had a lot of talent. He just never got the chance. Eight, uh, six receptions, 83 yards, also had that uh, – wasn't he the – the one that ran the the trick playback was he the so. one that yep. got the touchdown on that. So it's great to see him breaking out. Yeah, Noah Vedrill just kind of okay. Yeah, nothing special, but it's more the way that they looked, the Agree. way that they fought. Agree. It was awesome. Now we got to talk about Ohio State here a little bit. Okay, um, before we get there though, okay. one, one more thing. Ola Kunle Fatukasi. Ooh, nice job. Oh my gosh, this guy is. Is he's been all over the field for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Thirteen tackles and two tackles for loss yesterday. I think he was wasn't he player of the week in the Big Ten a couple weeks ago. So, man, and and Michael Dwumfor on the defensive line has just been fantastic for those guys. Yep. Way to go, Shiano. So switching over to Ohio State, um, receiving court just does it every week. Garrett Wilson, insane. Chris Olave, insane. They are they got talent for days, and it talent shows out. The running backs are now they're splitting it up. Trey Sermon, Master Teague, both with twelve carries yep. apiece. They're, they're I love mixing that, by it the out. Way. Yep. I like that they just they're giving them equal Both. share. Yep, and, and and I think it gives defensive coordinators multiple things to look at. Steel Chambers got some carries; he looked pretty good. Like the defense was dominant through, I would say two and a half, if not three full quarters, until like I said, all the trick plays came out. So I felt like the 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 defense is rounding in. Like Ohio State gets just a notch better every week. Now I want to get up on the pedestal here. Okay, I know we already talked about him. Justin Fields. Yeah. I mean, so we already said more more total touchdowns than he has incompletions. Yep. He, we were told in the offseason that he's got more comfort in the offense than he did last year after having an insane year last year. Okay. Yep. I think it's coming true. I mean, I think he looks in, that in control, and they're not even running him anymore. No. Now, of course, he had a touchdown in this game running because it was in the red zone. He didn't. He saw everything covered, ran in. Um, so I'm going to make a bold statement here. Um Okay, two bold statements. Number one, I don't think Justin Fields gets talked about enough no. nationally. Okay, you agree. Just, yeah, because 
it's it's almost like he's so good that everyone just expects it. So, but that's surprised. what they feel about Justin Lawrence, and they still talk Trevor about Trevor Lawrence. That, yeah. Trevor Lawrence, yeah. and they still talk about that guy ad nauseum, right? Even when he's been out with the Rona, because um, um, he's, he's pretty boy. Got to talk about Trevor Lawrence. He's pretty boy. I guess okay. And then um, uh, Zach Wilson with BYU. He's the he's the quarterback of the moment. And don't get me wrong, Zach Wilson is very impressive. But yep. like, I I feel. I think Justin Fields is. I think he's better than all of them. I think he's better than Trevor Lawrence. Oh, I think he is too. You now do. I, he's like yeah. pretty okay. No, I think he. I think he is okay. And Trevor Lawrence is insanely talented. This is not to besmirch Trevor Lawrence. Right. This is the second statement I'm going to make. Okay. I've been following Big Ten football hard since the early '90s. Okay. I think Justin Fields is the best quarterback I have ever seen play the position in my 30 years watching this sport and he is he is encroaching on the best football player overall wow. that I have ever seen. That, Kurt, I mean it's Vicar, not crazy. Vicar, how much better does he have to get to, well, you to can't, prove my argument? You can't really get better you than what he's doing get right better now. What no. he's doing? No. And the other thing is he's it, a 30 for 30 special in like it's <laughs> it's it's insane. Tell me if you think this is correct or not. I in the past, I've just noticed a little hitch in his delivery. Okay. It seems like it's gone now. I think he's worked that out. He used I, to swing I, his I, hips a little bit to get it out there. No, I, he did. I, I see. I see no hitch. I see not no anymore. No, I was because I was looking for it last night. I don't know. He's incredible. I mean, the funny I, thing is, the other one obviously that I can, nitpicking here. Yeah, right? I mean, it's as close as you can get. The other, other, the uh, other person I thought of for the greatest football player I've seen in my lifetime for the Big Ten. Orlando Pace, another Buckeye, predictably. He, he was a good one, man. He'd be up there. But anyways, yeah. we'll stop it right there because there's a couple guys. But, um, but then anyways. Look, I, I want to point out one thing, though, about the Ohio State get, did get a little sloppy in the second half. They did have nine penalties for 74 yards. Um, but if you look down the stat line, they played so many players yesterday on defense. I mean, it was the longest list of, of any Big Ten team that I looked at this week in the stats, it was just, it went on for days. The number of guys that were up. So if I'm an Ohio state fan, I probably, I'm not going to get too worried that they gave up 27 points. I think you can pretty much chalk that up a little bit, right? I think so. Okay. With the win, the Buckeyes move to three and oh, the Scarlet Knights fall to one and two. So that brings us to the quote unquote, big 10 game of the week, Indiana 38, Michigan 21, the Hoosiers with 460 yards of total offense to the Wolverines, 357 yards. Wolverines favored by three and a half over under 54.5. So this went over just by a little bit. And boy, that was an easy cover for the Hoosiers. Why? Because there was one team that showed up and wanted to play the sport of college football. And that team was from Bloomington, Indiana, the Hoosiers. What do you attribute that to? Coaching. Coaching. Who was the better coach in this game? By far, it was Tom Allen. Tom You're Allen. right. There was one team that was ready to play, one that was not. If you look down the stat lines, this was a pretty dominant performance by IU. 28 first downs to 17, 460 yards to 357, um, 118 yards rushing to only 13 yards rushing for Michigan, um, had half the number of penalties, zero turnovers to Michigan's two. They dominated the time of possession. There's almost nothing they didn't do well. There was one thing. Michigan threw the ball on Indiana. They threw it big time on Indiana, but it didn't matter. It, they were so good in every other aspect of this game. This was 
honestly, probably more than a 17-point victory. If you look at the stats. For real. I mean, it felt bigger than that. Um, I kind of, you know, I mean, I would put Joe Milton a little bit in that Clifford zone where it's like, yeah. at some point, he's just trying to make plays for his team and doing everything he can. Like, I, I don't think I, I want to put it on Joe Milton. It's no, just, it, it's just a not. total team collapse around him. And I mean, we, we thought Indiana's defense was looking better and better. Boy, did they look a lot better in this game, getting pressure on Milton and just kind of overall, I mean, uh, Michigan's running stats. I mean, it, it, they basically didn't rush the ball. Well, because they were playing from behind the whole game, but still, like, only 13 rushing attempts on the day for Michigan. Eight, 18 carries <laughs> for 13 yards. Oh, I'm sorry. Yards. 18, I'm, 18 attempts for 13 yards. That's even worse. 0.7 yards rushing. And look, that is... I like Indiana's defense, but they're not they're that not good. That good. But they're good, but they're, they're not, not that, that good. good. So, that is again, horrible. that goes back to one team being ready and one team not being ready. Let's talk about the IU wide receivers because, again, Ty Freifogel, to me, this guy is one of the top receivers in the Big Ten. I don't know if I'd put him probably top five-ish somewhere on there, but he is he, he's emerging. He's a beast, and they could not cover they, Their defensive backs were helpless against him. So He's so big and strong. It's like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to be able to articulate this, but I'm going to try. So a lot of times in college football history, we see the, the, the non- Jersey team, you know, yep. the, 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 the team that does not have the well-known name written across their chest, yep. right? They have an uptick year. And then that, that next year, that's when people say this, wow, look at insert team, you know, they've got a lot of returning talent. They got this, they got that. And those teams just don't do it. They just don't put it together sure. and they regress to the mean that is on the front of their yeah, Jersey. That's fair. The Hoosiers are doing what you thought they potentially could do after looking at them the past couple of years. And all of a sudden you just look down and you're like, well, they got a good, they've got a, uh, a, a experienced defense that's yep. just playing well. They've got a talented quarterback that's just playing well. Keeps getting better. By Their the way. offensive line looked better and better last year. It looks better and better. Yep. The receivers are good. Their running back is good. Long story short, this is a good team. If this was a typical season and I've, still feel bad for the Hoosiers. This is, you know, that we always had the eight win mark for them. Sure. This would be a 10, 11 I know. Win team for the Hoosiers. I mean, obviously they're the second best team in the East, right? Michigan's or Ohio state's the clear best team in the big 10. But after that, I mean, you can make a case for them, Northwestern, Wisconsin being the, that next step. One yep. of those three teams being the second best team. I just get this sense that it's like, Oh, you know, it's, Really good story for the Hoosiers. No, this is a good team. Yep. Um, kind of reminds me of, help me out with the years, but it'd be like early 2000s when Kansas just had a two-year run. Well, under 2007 was that the okay. year that, where they won 11 okay. games, so 11 was, and 1, so I think. that's what I'm thinking of, yeah. Or, that's, or, I, think it was, I didn't think it was They only late, lost but. one game. That was to uh, Missouri. Okay. They lost to Missouri because they didn't play, I want to say they didn't play Oklahoma maybe in the regular season that okay. year. Right. But they beat Texas. But anyway, they won their bowl game. Then they won their bowl game. Yeah. Like, like, I don't think I but felt then, like nobody took. I felt like nobody took Kansas seriously until no. they got in the bowl game, and all of a sudden they looked just like they did the entire year in right. that bowl game. That's what Indiana looks like to me. It looks like a team that could wind up going. I'm not trying to sell you short, but eight and one, you know, because 
So right. if they, it's tough for me that, that they would beat Ohio State. And people are like, oh, that's cute. That's nice. It's a good 8-1 Indiana team. And then I hope to God, you know, we have enough bulls. They go to a bowl, and I think they're going to bitch slap somebody from the SEC or whatever that's also not going to take them seriously because this team is good. Yes. Okay, you made a reference to Ohio State. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something happened to me yesterday. And this is where Hoosier fans are at right now. I got a text yesterday from a Hoosier fan that said, is it possible we could beat Ohio State? I'm not going to tell you what I answered. But that's where they're at. And God bless them. You, I mean, dude, you just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> you did. I mean, because I love the sport of college football. Sure. I'm not saying I'm rooting for Indiana to beat Ohio State, but how about this? Ohio State or Indiana runs the table, goes 9-0. and you got to put them in the college football playoff. If, if, You'd if have they, to. If they beat Ohio State. <laughs> You'd have to. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves oh, here. We're but. getting way ahead of ourselves. But, <laughs> hey, let's get ahead of ourselves when well, we can get ahead of ourselves. Because this is, this is an absolute blast for Indiana. And I'd also like to point out, this is going to feed into someone I'm going to talk about. Uh, if this was the mighty SEC, this would be a top four or five ranked team. Absolutely. Right no doubt. You know, if it was a, a team that doesn't typically, like South Carolina. If South Carolina sure. was doing this, oh, God, look. If South, South Carolina. Carolina had beaten, let's say, um, LSU, Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. That's actually perfect because Georgia, Penn State, LSU, Michigan. You yeah. Know, but, yeah. Okay, so we can't. We can't skip over this part because coaching is the theme of this podcast. We got to talk about khaki pants. Yep. We don't uh, dislike khaki pants on this pod. I actually, so I really did not like khaki pants when he started in the Big Ten. I really did not. He, he was like nails on a chalkboard to me. Not anymore. I actually really enjoy the guy. And I don't think he's a bad coach. I think he's a solid coach. And I don't think this year may be a little bit different. But up to this year, I think he's been doing what you'd kind of expect a coach to do at Michigan. Not anymore. No. Not this year. They look horrible. They look awful. They look bad. Like, special teams. Like, I, I put a tweet out that said, is this the worst Michigan defense of my lifetime? No, because the, the, some of those Rich Rod teams, the first okay. one or two Rich Rod teams were right. just atrocious on defense. Is this the worst non-Rich Rod defense? I think Michigan defense yeah, of my lifetime. Yeah, it might be. It's a really good point. So, yeah. Anyways, I'm, long story short, if we're debating at all, this is a bad defense, which is not what so you're expecting. If you're Don Michi- Brown's a moron. I'm sorry. <laughs> he is. He's he is a stubborn moron. Yeah, and we talked about that on the preview cast about how stubborn Get he is. Get out of man to man. You can't do it. You no. don't have the you don't and have the, the ponies. And the thing is, he thinks because we're Michigan and they're Indiana, our guys are going to be better than their guys. He you're, thinks that every week. Your guys are not better than Indiana's guys. I'm you're, sorry. You're you not do, better than you, a lot of guys. You had no answer for Ty Freifogel, Wap Fillier, Peyton Hendershot. I mean, they, they they were helpless against those guys. Yep. Dude, it's I you know, we've got we've got a couple insiders, right? Um, we do have an insider for Michigan. I can't make too much of a, you know, profound statement here, but I don't think it's beyond possible that that khaki pants could be let go very soon. I don't think it's going to happen in season. Because of just the 2020-ish or whatever. I think I think 2020-ish is part of it, but I think it's just not really Michigan style either, especially because he's a Michigan man. Right. I think they're just going to let the season play out, and they'll probably have a closed-door conversation where khaki pants decides he's – He's kind of bored with college football, and he wants to get back in the NFL, and they're going to agree to part ways and um, find themselves another Michigan man for next year. All right. Well, I guess we'll see how the rest of the play is out. But with the win, the Hoosiers move to a very fun, very historic 3-0. and Michigan falls to 1-2. and So that 
kind of wraps us up. Just a couple of quick rants outside the Big Ten. Um, the SEC does – okay, it just looks like another conference this year. This is not a special conference. Georgia looked like ass getting beat by Florida, and yep. that was a team that was propped up that's supposed to be – Sure. You know, one of the three or four best teams. They're not. It's it's Alabama and a couple, couple pretty good. I'm not saying like awful, but like, anyways, they should only get one team in the playoffs. Oh, no doubt. The winner of the <laughs> Ohio State-Indiana game should get into the playoffs for the Big Ten. It's yep. one from the Big Ten. I think the Pac-12 is just getting in too late. I don't it's think too it's too late. They're it's, not. It's going to happen. There's no way. they Unless, I mean, I, they, there's just no way, right? I just don't see it. And then I don't I don't think the Big Twelve is going to have a viable candidate. I mean, I, there's Clemson, a good chance there's a good chance the winner of the Big Twelve is going to have two losses. So now we got we got two teams in. You know, Ohio State and the SEC winner almost for sure. Bama. Now you've got two spots for I think three teams. One we just saw play last night. I mean, that Notre Dame Clemson game mm-hmm. was a blast to watch. Yep. Was it not? I mean. So, okay. Talk about weird. I'm, I find myself cheering for Notre Dame right now. I know. I, I find myself doing the same thing, which is a strange feeling for me. But so Notre Dame, I think, is probably they're on, one, they're, one of those teams, yep, right? Yep. Potential teams. Clemson still. That, right there. Because people are going to say, well, Pretty Boy, wasn't, yeah, yep. Pretty Boy wasn't playing. And they deserve it. Clemson should not be ruled. I agree. Uh, so if those are our four teams that it winds up with, totally get it. I'd I be fine with that. All four of those teams could win the national championship. I think that's probably the only true. thing that I was kind of hoping to a certain degree was that um, if Notre Dame just got clowned last night, mm-hmm. dude, I would like to see what BYU could do if they got oh, to the college. That's a good point. Playoff. Yeah, BYU. I mean, their quarterback is special, but anyways, what I'm saying is just don't rob the fans of that fourth team to get in. If you put another freaking sec team, no, but we, I don't think it'll happen this year. I hope not. Yeah. We just don't need to see that. Um, and then another, I mean, wouldn't you much prefer a BYU team than a second sec team? I would, I think it would be a blast. Um, now here's just a, here's just a random one, but it does have a big 10 tie. So there were, uh, five Nebraska quarterbacks that played this weekend. Yeah, okay. Adrian Martinez right. and Luke McCraffrey played for Nebraska. Noah Vedral, still in the Big Ten, Started played, for Rutgers. played for Rutgers. Tristan Jevia yep. plays for, I think it's Oregon, uh, State. Oregon State. So I'm I'm joking, and I'm throwing that out there. Nebraska fans, of course, you know, get, get uh, um, uh, involved. There's another quarterback out there, Patrick O'Brien. I don't remember him. He's former Nebraska quarterback. Okay. He played. And then Andrew Bunch. Oh, is, he's still I, on. Yeah, I remember that guy. I can't, I can't even. T- Nebraska fans are going to jump all over me. But, uh, okay. So that's Jeremy sick. Day tweeted me Andrew Bunch started for SEMO in their Southeast only- Missouri. Okay. So there you go. So that's six quarterbacks that were once wearing wow. Nebraska red that have played a college football game. I mean, that speaks fall. to something about. They're recruiting? they're recruiting, sure, absolutely. <laughs> That's got to be some sort of record, isn't it? I would think so. Six quarterbacks from the same team that have played somebody somewhere else. That is amazing. And last year could have been could have well, never mind. But anyways, I just found that incredible. That is pretty incredible. Yeah. All right, man. That's all I got. Yeah, me too. All right. Uh, this is I am Jeffrey the Greek, and I'm Big Kurt. This is the Eyes on Big podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.